0: Oh, this is, not, this is not even Money Donuts related. This is just personal Cooper time that you're taking to make a to-do list. What,
1: we're what not I recording said. yet.
0: Yeah, we are. we're always recording. Yeah,
1: but you were still monkeying with
0: stuff. Sounds like I'll still monkey with stuff seven minutes into this. Why are you
1: sitting over there?
0: Because where else do you want me to be? I
1: don't know. You usually sit over there so I can look at you.
0: Um, I just couldn't make it work. But we're here to talk about fraud. This is already a bad idea. <laughs>
2: I think it's going to be exceptional.
1: Yeah.
3: Hi, my name is Karen Hattvat, and I am approaching my 30-year anniversary with Royal Credit Union. Woo-hoo! I've Woo. been in the fraud area since 2004. I always enjoyed helping people in my previous positions and protecting the credit union and members, and this is a, a great fit. It It's changing every day. There's always new new frauds. And they I'm very compassionate. So when someone is a victim, I my heart goes out to them. I have, I've shed many tears in this position.
1: So tell us about that. Like, you're in fraud, you do all the things. But what like, what are you hired to do? Why do we have you both of you? I don't know. (laughs) No, it's okay.
2: Um, At least what I do on a daily basis, I'll just give you guys actually a quick rundown of like my day-to-day. So I get in in the morning, I open a program that pulls up a long list of transactions. I'd say normally over the weekend, that Monday report's a lot bigger because there's transactions from Saturday, late Friday, and into Sunday. These are flagged by our systems as possibly fraudulent. It could be, you know, money over normal. It could be a completely brand new transaction where our members sending out, you know, large dollar amounts, and they just want a second set of eyes on it. So I watch that throughout the entire day. And I have to have that completed by 4 p.m. every day because that's when the Fed closes on the East Coast would be 5 Eastern time before our time. They come through a separate email and then they're posted into the members accounts here. My job is to make sure that the back end of things and the members account match. So there's an example of one time a wire was supposed to be for $104,000 when actually it was posted for $140,000.
1: Holy buckets.
2: Yeah, yeah, slight slight discrepancy there. And, you know, for a member, that'd be a good day to have an extra $40,000 in your account, but it was a simple fix and no harm, no foul there. And yeah, a lot of the outgoing wires as well. We have a system that catches them and flags them if there's something kind of not right about it. And again, same thing, they just really want a second set of eyes on it. So that's... Basically, the majority of my day is monitoring incoming and outgoing wires and then monitoring that report that goes all day long till 4 p.m. of continuous transactions that our system flags as possibly fraudulent. I'd say 85% of them are normal, normal activity because sometimes they'll even flag. You change your email and you're sending a payment to Excel Energy.
3: And wires are a very common source of fraudsters because they're, they're instant. Once the money is gone, it's gone, and there's no limit. You know, with some of the cash app-type services, they're limited to what the max is for that, where if a business email is compromised, a wire can go out for $180,000, and it, it's typically overseas. The FBI's tracked it. It's usually overseas within 24 hours. They boom, 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 you know, hit several different bank accounts, often used, utilizing money mules, So someone, you know, they they they're overseas, ultimately, and even if they're not to just to get that money trail, that paper trail, they will trick someone, for lack of a better term, dupe someone into giving out their account information and then moving it. So it hits, you know, within 24 hours, it can hit two or three bank accounts and they, you know, the FBI then can lose the paper trail very quickly.
2: Wires can be quite tricky because it's an everyday thing. I mean, when I was an account rep at the branch, I'd send probably two wires a day just myself. And that was at one of our busiest branches, you know, that money goes. And once it's gone, it's... It's tough to get back, especially when you're working with larger financials compared to working with Royal. We have a little bit more flexibility, uh, kind of what securing was talking about. We had a wire that was intercepted by a fraudster. Uh, long story short, a, a, a rep had an email sent to them secure, which it should from a dealership for a, for a purchase. And turns out that hacker got into that person's email, sent it to one of our reps and sent the wire to the fraudster. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah, that, our, our rep did everything by the book. They had a secure email, everything like that. It took me about a week and a half of working with Wells Fargo to try and get that money back, which we were successful. Um, every bit of the dollars were, were saved and, and brought back to Royal. But it's a little bit different versus, you know, here at Royal. I could just go run down, the, run down my office and get that stopped. Everything would be done, ready to go versus reaching out to some of those larger financials. That took me well over a week and a half of phone calls, lots of lots of hours on the phone trying to get those funds back for something that was truly fraudulent.
1: So Karen, you've been in fraud for a long time. So you've seen a lot, you know, and how things change and the technology and just, you know, the, how criminals have evolved in this area from, you know, 30 years ago to now, what, what has changed? What have you seen differently? What's really surprised you? Is anything happening now where you're like, that would never be possible, but now it is, I don't know.
3: It, it has changed. It's much more electronic, it's much more cyber, and they're, the fraudsters are getting much better at what they're doing. As an example, when I first started in this department, it was very easy to detect a counterfeit check. The font was off, there were maybe misspellings. Now with their desktop publishing that they utilize, they can replicate a check to the T, so that's one difference is now they're much better at what they're doing, so it's harder to pick it up. You have to kind of ask the question, where did this come from? Why does this person have this? Scammers are duping people into giving out their online banking information. They might ask them questions. You know, They're not going to come right out and say, I need your username, password, and this five-digit code that right. I'm, that I'm sending you. They're clever in getting this information from them. Once they're in their online banking, they will go to check history to see checks that oh. members have deposited before and they will replicate them so if someone works for a local employer and they have or not it doesn't even have to be a local employer if someone deposits their employ their employment check the hacker once they get into the online banking they will replicate that check and it will look exactly like a check they've previously deposited which is with a different check number and it, it looks normal to us because unless it's really large, like if someone's paycheck is usually $872 and the scammer makes one for 3000 that will stick out to us. Right. But if it if they do multiples of, you know, change the dates, it it's not going to, but then they'll tell the person I'm wiring money into your account instead of I'm depositing, you know, they're not going to come right out and say I'm depositing fake checks from your employer. Right. So that's that's another way that they gain access to legitimate checks to replicate them.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah, and I've seen a recent uptick. So we review all of the remote deposit capture checks that are flagged through our system. Um, A lot of younger people are now getting checks sent to them on their computers. And people are literally holding their cell phone up to their computer to remote deposit a check.
3: Yes. Let me
2: just make this very clear to everyone who hears this. There's no such thing as a check on your computer screen.
3: On Snapchat or Instagram. Or
2: Instagram or anything like that. It is never real. A check has to be a physical check. Check friends. So yeah, we can see it in the photo, like they're like taskbar and stuff like that
3: sometimes. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, this is fake. Steve, this is terrifying. It's got it's getting less and less common for checks to be mailed to a yeah. victim because the the scammers want instant gratification. Correct. So more check fraud is perpetrated through you know the remote deposit capture, or like Zach mentioned, even faster than that, just send an image to if they're sending the same the image of the same check. To a 1,000 people yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. You get
2: three people to hit on it. Good enough.
3: And even scarier, uh, fraudsters have hired people on Craigslist to appear Correct. at locations.
1: Mm-hmm. What?
2: And
3: yeah. hired Uber drivers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had an elderly gentleman that we picked up on the fraud, and we're in the process of closing his account. Um, because we, we, we work with people, we beg them, we plead with them but the fraudster is doing the same thing. Mm. And they build such an allegiance with them that oftentimes they believe the fraudster instead of us. And then at that point, wow, we have to close that account. We can we cannot be a party to money someone sending money overseas to criminals and we don't want to. We we want to protect that person. So, yes, we had someone at one point uh hire an Uber driver to pick an elderly gentleman up who didn't drive any longer, drive him to a location to pick up the cashier's check for the balance in his account, and take him to another financial to cash that check. Oh, my goodness. Yeah.
2: It's, it's a wild world we're in right now, y'all.
3: Another fraud victim who changed their phone number. They, they believed us you know, we got we got through to them that this is a scam, you know, please trust us, this is how it works. And the person did believe us. And they were so upset that the scammer kept calling them relentlessly. And again, the, the scammers target people through the channel that they utilize. If someone solely uses social media and texting, that's where they're going to get them. If they're phone users that they want to hear the vote, the local or the vocal that's how they target them. So, this individual, they were bombarding that phone so much that the person got a new phone number. There was a note, a sticky note on the outside of their door saying, What is your new phone number? What? So, they hired the scammer, hired someone on Craigslist to place that note there.
1: That's happening like here, like around to our members.
3: Synthetic ID is getting very common now with, with many people having ID theft protections in place. Synthetic ID fraud is where you take a name of one person, a social of another, a date of birth of another, an address of another, and put all of that information into you know into one, you're making a basically a fake person. And by applying for say cell phones, XL energy, by getting that name, social data, birth out into the credit file, it essentially creates a synthetic ID.
1: Wow, I had no idea that they took So like when I think about fraud and identity theft and things like that, I assume it's just, you know, someone so sort of took James's information, got a car loan and then whatever. I didn't know they took multiple information from multiple people.
3: With so many people wow. having ID theft protection, so if James had, you know, credit karma, any of those credit monitoring services, that would prevent the ID theft. So now that so many people have that in place, the fraudster scammers have had to get creative in creating essentially a person that doesn't exist, but by applying for loans and getting that name, social, and date of birth tied to a credit report, so there's never actually a human... Right, but you're creating this fake identity.
1: Does it only affect the person whose like social security number they used? Or does it affect every person that they took information from?
3: It doesn't really affect anyone um, because the name and the social doesn't match. Okay. So in this case, it's better for citizens because there's not really a human impacted. But it's bad for financials because there isn't a, a person... Right you don't really know who you're looking for. They're essentially cyber ghosts.
1: Hmm. Right, interesting.
2: Yeah, that's the biggest struggle too is we try like heck to try and aid police and authorities to try and find these people. But exactly what Karen said, They're not an actual human being. It's a completely fake person. So any kind of leads we get are through IP addresses. Even then, you can use apps and stuff like that to mask your IPs and and get a different hidden I watch a
1: lot of crime shows. I do know that.
3: Yes. And again, most of the fraudster scammers are organized criminals. You know, as we alluded to earlier, it's the modern-day mafia. Instead of going and shaking down, you know, a business owner and extorting them, they're hacking into their items and stealing that way.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's not just these, you know, random one-off people. It's like someone's career to be frauding people.
2: Yeah, there is actually people overseas who show up, punch a clock, and their 40 hour week job is to call and, call and call and call and call and try and scam people across the world. That's actually what they get paid
3: for. And then they work on commission, so yep. the money goes up the ladder mm-hmm. you know, to the organized crime trail where the low-level workers are the ones working on commission in the call center and that's why they're very relentless because that's their yeah. that's their way of making money they're working on commission
2: so how do you protect from that? You know, you gotta. we do our due diligence with the system that I watch. Um, when it pulls up these suspicious transactions, I do a lot of research with it. I pull, first of all, their accounts up. Okay, is this money in there normal for them? Do they normally cal- carry this large of a balance in their account? Number two, where are the funds going? Do they normally transact with this? Is, uh, if a person who's basically never left the Chippewa Valley all of a sudden is sending funds to a bank in Texas, it's going to raise some red flags for me, especially if they have IP addresses in the Northeast and the West Coast. Coast, or even a different country altogether. I've had like people log in, or, like logins from like France, um, Iraq, different countries like that have no difference when we've had a member who's never left the Chippewa Valley. So then I do all that kind of digging and my biggest defense is I'll just straight up call our member. Be like, hey, this is Zach from Royal Credit Union's Fraud Department. There's a transaction set to leave your account. I just wanted to verify that it was you, that it was legitimate before we let it leave the account. I'd say, like I said, about 85% of them are legitimate um, and members will thank me. They'll be like, hey, thank you so much you know, for taking that time just to review that it is out of my pattern of transactions, but yes, it's legitimate or I start to ask them a question, like, oh, I'm sending this to my fiancé. Okay, have you met your fiancé? No. (laughs) Sure. That's normally a big old flag right there that we could, I mean, Karen and I could go on for
0: hours talking about romance scams. You brought up the point of you're calling our members. That could be fraud from somebody else, you know, someone pretending to be Royal Credit Union. What questions would you guys ask and what questions would you never ask one of our members?
2: I would never ask you for your full social or for you to provide me your checking account number. That would be something that I would already have access to because of the systems that we operate with. Um, typically, when I am identifying members, I'll you know, ask for the last four of social and then just kind of have them th- tell me their information. Um, also, a lot of times when I leave the voicemail, I'll say, this is Zach from Royal Credit Union's Fraud Department. Please contact me or one of our representatives at XYZ phone number. We'll have reps here until 5 p.m. or until 6 p.m. Um, different stuff like that. And and it leaves a direct number from the Chippewa Valley. So I would recommend to our members, if someone is contacting you saying that the Royal Credit Union, do a little bit of research. Don't just give them all your information right away. Um, If if you do ever feel uncomfortable ever, the best defense that you can possibly do is just go to a branch, pop into a branch. They can check that phone number, make sure that I am Zach, that I work in fraud, and that we can process going from there. That's by far your best defense. If you're in the vicinity of a branch, stop in.
3: Or contact member service and ask specifically for the for the person.
1: That's what I, when I'm doing presentations, I say, here's the deal. If your financial calls you, you're a little uneasy, it is totally your right to hang up and say, hey, you know, I'm going to call you back. You can call back. We'll connect you to the right person. So,
3: And we monitor systems because scam artists target members, or I guess anyone, scam artists target their victims based on age, demographics, for example, a 15 year old, they're not going to call a 15 year old because 15 year olds mm-hmm. are texting, Snapchatting, and they're not going to text an 80 year old. And member or victims all, you know, all through that. So, so the the younger members are victimized on Snapchat, Instagram. Someone will reach out to them pretending to be someone else. You know, easy money. If you cash this check for me, my bank account's froze. If you cash this check for me, you can keep five hundred dollars and then it moves through Cash App. So essentially, we're we're monitoring mobile check deposits minute by minute. We have a system that, that brings in suspicious checks, and we look at it, but oftentimes, it, the system might fire an alert, say at 2 p.m., the check has been deposited at 1.55, and the money's gone on Cash App. That's how fast these cyber criminals are getting people to act now. Wow. You know, and then the, you know, the, so and anyone in between those age groups, it's the romance scams, loan scams, lottery winners. Um, the elderly are targeted with the grandparent scam and the tech support scam. So they, they target, you know, different, so they'll target different social media sites specifically looking for the person they're looking for. They, they're relentless. They, I've worked with people who are on widow widower sites for grieving. And the scammer will get, they, they get in there, they get under their skin, they empathize with them, they build trust in a relationship. It's the long game. Is what they
2: play. That's what their goal is. A lot of these scammers is not to get that instant 500 bucks. What they're doing is exactly what Karen said, targeting people who have recently lost a spouse or significant other who have may never handled the household's bank account before. Then all of a sudden, you know, they empathize with them. They start dating this person and becomes a friend, becomes someone you put your trust in because you're very vulnerable if you've just lost, you know, a significant other. I can understand that. And this person is like, oh, you know, for me to come see you, all I need you to do is send me like $5,000.
3: And during the, especially during the pandemic, there were so many people lonely, you know, we were all in lockdown and the the criminals took advantage of that. You, you build a relationship, you build a friendship because you're not going to send money to someone you don't trust. Um, and again, in the, with the, kind of the younger people scam. It's the instant gratification, the instant, and they have people act so quickly that they don't have time to think.
1: Yeah, that's what I always say. You know, fraudsters are, they're social engineers. They're playing on those emotions. And once you're in that emotional state, you know, you don't Always make the best decisions. You're thinking, you know, quickly, or they've got you when you're sad, and you're like, okay, I'll give money. And
3: sense of urgency. I had a gentleman one time share that he was like he was in a trance when he went and bought eight thousand dollars worth of gift cards and scratched off the numbers for the scammer. Said so I thought about it like an hour later, like I snapped. It was like I was in a trance and I snapped out of it. They they were telling me what to do and where to go. You know, they would specifically say, you know, based on the member's location, they're probably doing a Google search, figuring out where the nearest. Walgreens, Walmart, Dollar store what that you know predominantly sells gift cards—and they're sending them there. They're like, "Yeah, drive to you know 1423 South Hastings Way."
1: You know, so when members are in that situation, it's a natural human response to have you know that immediate response to any type of emotion, right? So members shouldn't feel bad when they're in this situation, right? I mean, it it happens, and it's not something, you know, we're never going to shame them for it and they shouldn't, you know, feel bad themselves. It it just happens. They just need to know where to get help.
2: Okay. I would say, yeah, um, that's a lot of the conversations I had. Uh, I had a younger member uh, involved in a Snapchat scam. Um, first, that the first thing, though, that the member told us was like, No, I was frauded. I had this, I had this. Well, then they came back in with their parents and she started to open up a little bit more. And then throughout this interaction, we found out that, you know, this was going on. And it's not just her, I mean, it's going on throughout the community, of and, and right here in the Chippewa Valley, especially. The biggest thing you can do is be like, Okay, this is not great. But here's what I need to do is, is just kind of owning up to it. And again, exactly like you said, Cooper, we're never going to shake our finger at you, be like, shame on you. How dare you? That's not what we're here for. We're here like, hey, how can we fix this now going forward? What can we put in place to protect you going forward? Yeah, the short term is going to be a little rough, a little choppy, but we have ways to help you out. That's the biggest thing is if you if you do feel like this is a potential scam or you know a potential fraud, you can reach out to us first. We're happy to chat with any one of our members if they think, hey, you know, I don't think that this is kind of legitimate. What What do you think? I would much rather take that phone call every day versus, every day. hey, I'm frauded out of $4,000 out of my account.
3: It can happen to anyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Again, they're organized criminals. They're very good at what they do. They hack into legitimate emails. They create... What look like legitimate websites. Correct. Yep. And they're, the, these websites are shut down then as quickly as they're, they're, they're set up.
2: Yep. They'll get the member on the phone and be like, hey, did you go and deposit this? Yep. I went and made these deposits. I got XYZ done. Okay, perfect. I'll talk to you later. Click. That phone is gone never to be contacted again. It's that fast. And just to put a little perspective on, so I joined the fraud team in April. And through that report that I told you guys about earlier, um, just from April till today, we have saved our members over $154,000. Just off the one report that I work by myself, this is including all the stuff that Karen does, that Chad, our, our other team members from our department do. They save through checks and different stuff like that. This is literally just April till now. And so to, to start July, I've already saved 11000 for our members that could have been out the door gone never to be seen again and that's why we have these things in place is to protect our members but again it's not perfect we're 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 constantly working towards getting better putting new things in place we have rules we can place to try and catch some of these things but it's still it's it's never
1: ending i think it would be really fun but can we spend this episode like a true crime podcast people love those it's your true crime episode and a finance I picture some fun music look at me <laughs> picture some like fun music
0: that would have been good to bring up like yesterday why
1: <laughs> <Just kidding>. well, <laughs> well yeah but i mean i think i think the contact <laughs> context that you know we've got but like yeah come on that would be great i bet we would get a lot of listens
3: well one thing we could add whether it's a true crime or just a regular one is the fraud department is as monitoring reports and trying to prevent fraud, both for fraud victims and for people attempting to fraud royal. Oh. So we it's a it's kind of a dual with with our fraud. Maybe forty percent of it is people intentionally trying to fraud us by passing bad checks, you know, perpetrating ID theft, and then the other maybe sixty is again the, the our members are fraud victims. We we're combating fraud on the local level with people intending to fraud us and gambling is another addiction that we see a lot of fraud perpetrated for so we're combating both on the local level where we work with the local police and on the lack of a better term international level with the organized criminals and the cyber crimes this is scary i think that's my my <laughs> takeaway
0: is that i I didn't even want to say the word fraud because then I think it's going to it's going to happen to me. So, like,
1: yeah, don't manifest it.
0: Yeah. How I want to know how our members and non-members, anybody out there like what what is a laundry list of things that they can do to protect themselves?
2: So it's, it's a good thing to do is, you know, don't have very common passwords. If your daughter's name is Ashley, don't have Ashley123 or Ashley1999 as your password. Small steps like that make it completely random. You know, small, small steps like that are are pretty easy. Also, never, ever, 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 ever give out your account number to people, especially if you met them on the Internet.
3: Yes, if you don't know someone or even if you think you do, verify that you do know that person. On social media sites, often identities are stolen. So someone thinks they're communicating with an old friend and it's really the scammer that has hacked into that person's social media site pretending to be someone that they know and trust.
1: Well, and you don't have to give your information to anyone, really. I know my dad's called me and asked for my social before and I'm like, what do you, like, why? What do you want it for? He goes, well, I just want to make you the beneficiary on, you know, my retirement or life insurance or whatever. And I'm like, mm, okay, valid. But he's like, you're not just going to give it to me? I said, no, I don't know what you're doing with it. And that's, I mean, he's my dad.
2: It's really funny, actually. So since I've worked in fraud, I messaged another team member here at Royal the other day. I'm like, hey, can you give me my checking account number? I have an expense report I have to fill out. And he called immediately. He's like, hey. I know you work in fraud. I want to make sure that this wasn't a test. I'm like, no, but that's a good idea. And that's really all it was. He's just like, I just want to make sure that, you know, there wasn't someone pretending to be you calling to get your account number from internal, from inside of this, these four walls.
1: You know, if you look in your mobile app, it tells you your account number.
2: It's what they explained to me after the fact.
1: Was that <laughs> it's
0: very easy to thing. locate. You bring up a good point about the checking account number. There's things on the mobile app that you can use to help protect yourself, like real-time alerts. Yeah. Yes.
2: From my time as an MAR, I would at least, you know, our younger members, I would have them set their limit to 200 bucks. I'm sorry, if 200 bucks is leaving your checking account when you're 19, 20 years old, that's pretty noticeable. And you'd want to have that alerted right away if something above that dollar amount You know, And as you're getting older, you know what, maybe set the alert for $500 because I'm sorry if if $500 was set to leave my account, I would want to know where it's going.
1: I think, so I have mine set to like $50 just just to be safe, you know, so for any incoming and outgoing transactions. And actually last, two weeks ago, someone on my team was trying to do a transfer on their app for themselves. But accidentally sent it to my account because they had sent me money before. And I got that alert and I contacted them. I was like, hey, do you mean to send me $100? Like, I just want to double check. <laughs> and they're like, oh my gosh, no. But, you know, imagine if that was, you know, to someone else or if it was money going out of your account. It's a really good real-time alert to... You know, just be aware of that.
2: And, and as far as preventing, like, like you were asking, I, uh, solid passwords is definitely a good one. If you have been scammed previously, we always recommend, you know, getting your computer scrubbed professionally or getting your phone scrubbed. Yeah, it's a little expensive to do so, but it's absolutely worth it. Um, just doing your due diligence, really, you know, in, in the world of social media and everything like that. I know it's, I'm going to shock you guys here. Not everything on the Internet is true.
1: <laughs> what?
2: I know. I know, I know. And it's a tough reality for some people is that like these like fake jobs and stuff like that. Like, hey, you, I'll send you this $2,000 check. All you need to do is uh, keep like 1500 and send 500 back to me. Well, then they're out the full 2000
3: Another one of the work at home, especially during the pandemic, I'll send you this check and wire it here to buy office equipment. So they think they're buying office equipment, but really they're sending money based on that fake check to the scammer. So if you don't know someone, don't negotiate a check for them. If you and again, with these employment scams, they make legitimate-looking websites. They're posting on sites where where people think it's safe. You know, school sites, CVTC, UW, monster.com, Indeed. They're posting fake jobs on sites that people trust. And again, anyone can be a victim because the the scammers aren't as blatant as saying I'm here to scam you. You know, again, they pretend to be someone that you know, trust, a legitimate business, a legitimate you know, company that you've heard of that you trust. And then so then you just listen to them because you trust them.
1: I know I get those texts all the time that are like, hey, it's USPS, your package shipped. Let us know if you want to make changes. Click this link. As someone who orders a lot of stuff online, those, I mean, seem pretty legitimate to me. And Walmart just sent me one and... I just have to share it because I think it... So Walmart sent me one, and all it says is... Oh, I deleted it and reported it as fraud. But
0: Yes, you should. I
1: All job. it said was like, yeah, your order shipped early. <laughs> you know, check updated tracking here. But it didn't say like from Walmart or anything. But I got the same email, so I knew it was true. Unless someone hacked my email, which is a great possibility.
3: And as far as the cyber criminals... A strong password is important, but a strong username is also important. What the what they what's termed as a brute force attack, um, hackers will get. They could maybe maybe they compromise. I don't want to use a a company's name, but if you use if you use a username that's so you know, I
1: should stop using my first and last name together as my username.
3: Yes, if there's any other Cooper Larson in the country that has Cooper Larson as a username on, say, Fitbit, a food app, any username, if that is compromised, compromised—they so it might not even be you that's compromised, but if you say Cooper L, you have Cooper L as your username. On or Someone else does. Someone in California has Cooper L as on a social media app, any, any media or any app. That's compromised. The hackers then will run that against an algorithm trying to guess passwords. Um, and so they might not even know that the victim has an account at a certain financial. They're running it through all financials, trying to get a hit.
1: I always learn so much on these
2: podcasts. <laughs> One thing I've always recommended, and this was actually when I was a, a member account rep as well, especially for younger, younger people, is when you're buying online, use a credit card. Do not use your debit card that the best thing you can do is use a credit card because if the credit card is frauded, that's fine. The credit card company and Royal, we can work to get those funds back. Versus if it's your debit card, those funds are now out of your checking where it takes us a little bit longer process to do our investigation, which let's be honest, bills never stop. And just because you had $400 taken out of your account, you may have rent due in a couple days. And I'd rather have $400 stolen from your credit card, leave your checking account intact, safe, not have to redo account numbers and different stuff like that. So that's a big, big one. I I tell all of my family that. I tell all of my nieces, nephews, everything like that. If you're buying online, use a credit card. It's just smarter.
1: Side note to start building your credit. If you you know, are a younger member, you have that smaller dollar credit card, making those purchases that you plan and budget for, of course, right? But it's a good way to start building credit and protect yourself. Correct,
2: yeah, I know a lot of people will pay like their Excel energy bill because they know they were gonna pay to their checking account anyway, so it just goes off the credit card, they transfer the money from checking to said credit card, lot safer. What
0: are some other tidbits? I'm reevaluating all my life choices right now.
3: I guess something else I'd like to allude on is I don't know what fraud statistics are in other parts of the country, but I like to think that we're Midwest nice here. You know, so if someone gets these these illicit funds put into their account, they can keep it. I mean, who's to say what, they, they trust the scammer and they forward it on? So whether it's a bad check or an uh, ACH incoming, they're doing with it what the scammer tells them to. You know, If someone gets $5,000 into their account that they're not expecting, I, I look at it though we're Midwest nice and we send it on. So, But I don't know if the same thing's happening in other parts of the country.
2: Yeah, there is no such thing as free money. There, there just isn't. <laughs> So that's another little put that in the old memory tank for everyone listening.
1: Can you give us like your top five scams or fraud instances that you see? And then can you tell us how do we do our best to protect ourselves? What can our members do? What can our community members do?
2: I I, Thank goodness I wrote some things down because I actually had three of the top ones. Fire, fire, fire. uh, Romance (laughs) scams, fake jobs, and I'd say elder abuse are are probably the three biggest that I'm seeing. And then uh, fake checks.
3: Loan scams, they prey on, I'm not sure if some of the um, payday lenders are selling customers information for third-party marketing or if they're hacking into it, but I've seen it quite common that after someone gets a payday type loan in for maybe $800, they're reached out to by what appears to be a legitimate company. Again, they have... They'll be like, for example, American Credit Finance. This doesn't exist, but they have a website that says that. The debtor sees this as an answer to their prayers that someone is reaching out to them and offering them a $5,000 loan. So that with that, they can consolidate all their debt. You know, that's the answer to their prayers, but it turns out to be a fake lender.
1: So, what about younger members? Are we seeing the same kind of fraud and scams with them? I think, you know, we have, I think that's important to know
2: yeah uh for the younger members uh, Karen alluded to it earlier Snapchat and Instagram are big time. I've seen on Instagram a lot where especially with Bitcoin and different stuff like that that's where it's like, hey, you want to get rich quick on you know coinbase and stuff like that. send me six hundred dollars of your own money. I will make you rich, I'll make you six thousand Well, then they're out the six hundred and you never hear from the person again
3: get rich quick the I think the younger people it's the that immediate gratification of instant I saw my money. buddy
2: make a bunch of money on this so now I want to try and do something different to make money.
0: So how do parents help protect their children from that kind of stuff?
2: Have good communication with your kids. Um, that's the best thing I can I can tell you is I know when I got in trouble as a kid, I owned up to it right away. Don't and I knew that my parents would be more comfortable with me just being up front with them versus if they had to find out through a back channel. cover up's
3: <laughs> worse than the crime it,
2: yeah, I'm not a parent. I have no room to talk. Um, Karen, you might be able to, uh,
3: you know, allude to that as... Education. Just education. Be, be wary of anyone that you meet on social media.
1: I have so much content to add to my financial education lessons on fraud. We're here for you. If you, <laughs> you guys want to have so us excited. back
3: to talk different stuff
2: like that, we're, we're happy to do so.
0: So if someone thinks they have been a victim of fraud... What should
2: they do? First step is always, if you can, go to a branch. It's much safer there. They can help you reset passwords. You can reset usernames. They can comb through your checking account a little bit easier to make sure that you know if there were other transactions, we can get that fraud case to include those. Um, if you're if you're not close enough to a branch, member service, they'll do their identif- identifying of you, and then they'll get you over to us. So it's kind of like a two-level security thing. You get identified by member service, then they get you through to us where we you know, do what we have to do, say, we, if, let's just say a large dollar amount. Let's say you got frauded out of $4,000 and you just don't have that money. There might be ways that we could work with you to you know, keep your accounts open, um, find different solutions that way. So don't run, don't hide if you've been frauded. Again, we're not out to get you. We're out to help you. That's exactly what we're here for.
3: Don't be embarrassed. It, it happens, it can happen to anyone. And not reporting it, if it's not reported, no one knows it occurred, and we can't educate others to prevent that. So report to your financial, report to local police, and there is if it's a cyber-type crime, there's a website monitored by the Federal Trade Commission and the FBI called IC3.gov for Internet Crimes, numerical 3.gov. And what we've been told is they, they receive hundreds of thousands of them, so they don't monitor everyone, but be as detailed as possible because they'll do keyword searches. So if they come up with like the same phone number that has been reported multiple times, they may assign a task force to investigate that. Yes, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I, we've seen people lose their entire life savings. Oh. Yep.
2: But that's why, we're, so not to end on a somber note, we're here to help. We really are. So if if you think that, you know, there's something that just isn't right about a transaction or my kid is talking to so-and-so on Snapchat and I don't really like this, come on into a branch, talk to us, call our department, call member service. We're very highly trained here at Royal and, and we have different ways of helping you out. What Donut describes this episode?
1: What donut describes fraud? Oh, it would totally, <laughs> if we had a cookie podcast. It's not just fraud, it's like. Well, yeah, but if it was a cookie podcast, it would absolutely be an oatmeal raisin because they look like chocolate chip. You know Long what John? I mean?
2: Long John, you know.
3: Bismarck? No.
2: Bearclaw. <sighs> Bear claw? I'm going to have to go with when when I worked for Country Jam, actually, they had a vendor that had made mini donuts like right there on the spot and your life will change forever when you have one of those hot brand out of the frying oil, mini just plain sugar donuts. They'll change your life for the better. And I feel like that's what our fraud team does
0: is change people's lives for the better. Cooper.
1: Cooper what?
0: If people like this podcast or want to...
1: So if you love Money Donuts, which I know you do,
0: I love them, <laughs> love <it.
1: laughs> you should go give us a follow wherever you listen to your favorite platforms and feel free to leave us a rating and review too.
0: You go and listen to your favorite platforms?
1: Nope.
0: Just the platform? Yeah. I just, I just, what? I just opened the Spotify app. Yeah. I just listen to my favorite platforms.
1: Listen to Money Donuts on your favorite podcasting platform. Is that right? I haven't done this for a while.
3: Royal Credits Fraud Team is here to help. That was good. Thank y'all. Appreciate
2: it.